We're doing with Indian food and Indian flavors rooted heavily in, in history, whatever the term authentic means. But if you look at you know, food that's enjoyed across the Indian subcontinent, throughout people's homes, and steeped in their culture, we're taking that, we're exploiting that. And then what we do here is because I'm a brown born and bred, I combine that with the best of British ingredients and create something that's very personal to us here in this space, as opposed to it trying to emulate something. Hello everyone and welcome back to the Birmingham-based food podcast that is Breaking Bread. I'm your co-host Liam and sitting opposite me is my awesome co-host Carl McCaffrey. How Thank you doing? Thank you very much. Bonjour, I am awesome. Thank you for that. Sir. Yeah. <laughs> We're back after a little summer's break. Yes. That turned into a big summer's break. <laughs> you know, it's just uh, just nice to have a break to be honest. Like, yeah. We love doing it but gets a bit much when you just got to keep planning and planning a lot i mean you obviously do a lot more towards this podcast than i do but it's even i find it a lot trying to fit everything in yeah i mean we're meant to have four weeks off i think we've had eight but it, i went to ireland obviously that's a big that was over two weeks so there's a big chunk of that and then my laptop broke which is always fun yeah it's a problem so yeah it's took a bit longer than we wanted but it doesn't matter because we are back. We're here. We are back. And we've got a wicked lineup for people as well. Oh, mate. Unbelievable. This series is ending with a bang. This is a massive episode. It's like an hour and 40 long, but there is no way we could have made it any shorter. Not a chance. Like, long-form interviews are just yeah. very rare to come by. You know, too many times it's just little sound bites or snippets, and you don't get the whole story. So this is what we're here for, is no. to give you the whole story. And clearly it's the Actar one. I mean, you've clicked on it yourself, so it's, it's right yeah, on the one you know you've clicked on. So you know it's Actar yeah. Ophi. I mean, you know, like, this is one of Birmingham's best restaurants. Probably one of the best restaurants in the country, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree. Um, just a couple of quick things we definitely couldn't have not mentioned. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A couple of new openings. I mean, new openings exciting at the best of times, but, you know, after what we've just been through, any new opening, I take my hat off, salute you, and say... Fair plaque, Yeah, you're doing well if you're opening now. <laughs> you're carrying on and I love it. So obviously, uh, upstairs is opening in Litchfield. That is Tom Shepard's new restaurant. Tom Shepard used to be the head chef at Adams. Massive talent. I'm really expecting like massive things from that. Yeah. And obviously, Stu Daly's gone on to do Smoke. Smoke yeah, I'm going there in a couple of weeks. Yeah. Can't wait. That's another big opening. So I nearly forgot. And how could we forget? We mention them every episode, but they are back. Yeah. I am back. Ben and Sophia. Back at Little Blackwood, which is now Le Petit Mois. Same yeah, venue, yeah. same people, different menu, different interior. I think it's going to be class. It's going to be a classic sort of French cooking. I'm very, very intrigued to see what it's like. I'm quite excited for it. Yeah, I mean, they're friends of ours now, aren't they? Like, so I just can't wait to see them doing their thing again. Like, yeah, so there you go. Three exciting openings for Birmingham there. Well, Birmingham, Litchfield. So I'll stretch it over a little bit. Yeah, why not? Oh, oh, West Midlands is great at Birmingham for me. I don't care what anyone says. The whole lot of Birmingham. So as we've already said, today's episode, we want to get onto it fast because it's a long one. 
but it's definitely worth listening to every second of it. Because, yeah, it's fantastic. Yeah, such a good chat. Obviously, Acto's been on telly loads of times. You mean, Saturday Kitchen is a regular. He was on Great British Menu. I think he, he won, he's, well, I don't know how many times he won it. A couple of times, anyway, I'm sure he has. He's got a few dishes there and he's been a mentor on there. Mate, he's just a, as far as TV sort of celebrity chefs go, he's up there. Yeah. All of them. And yeah. his restaurant, you know, I, I don't. If you're listening to this podcast, you know how good Ophim is. Obviously, got their Michelin star after within a year of opening. Mega. Yeah. So it's just a special place. And I, I'm really liking this interview. We actually quite go quite deep into his philosophy of food and like the whole philosophy behind the Ophim restaurant. Thank you very much, Actor, for doing this. And a massive thank you to Charlotte from Binks & Co. PR for setting this up. Obviously, they got in touch and they knew Actor and set this whole thing up and got all the emails together and sorted it all out. So a massive thank you to Charlotte for doing that. Really do appreciate it. Enjoy this episode with Actor. But yeah, good weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, we do a four-day week here, so every night or every service is the same. We just do fifty covers, and so you know what's coming. But yeah, you know, we're really lucky. We're blessed with just just great support from our guests. You know, they're they're just really invested in the brand, really invested in what we're doing, and they're just happy to be here, and we're just happy to be able to cook for them, so it's yeah, it's it's good. And yeah, everyone's just so lovely, so I'm so glad we're back doing what we're doing. Was it like an avalanche of bookings when she reopened again? Yeah, I mean, obviously, as soon as we reopened the booking system, it just, yeah, just ping, 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 just bookings coming in, so I think we're like booked out to like August, not August, we're in August, <laughs> um, October, yeah. October, November now. Yeah, I know, so I try yeah. to get a table for in July. Yeah, so that and then beginning of August and just nothing available. Yeah, I think as soon as we were open, it was basically bang straight till the end of August. So, was know. it relief or was it like never in doubt? No, you never want to be uh, too cocky, but the thing is that you know we've we've just always been blessed with people who've, who've followed us. Like even from the day we opened the doors. We had massive interest in what we're doing, and we've never struggled to fill the place. You know, people, and most you know, our guests come from all over the country, all well, all over the world. So, you know, I've I've always been very lucky in that sense. So, you know, and I'm just thankful for it, and thank everyone. Every that's why when I'm when I'm doing the service, I'm, I try and do my best to thank everyone, every guest for coming in because I really appreciate the support. Yeah, well, I can vouch that I've seen you going around chatting to people. Yeah. And- introducing dishes and you're you're an available chef like the kitchen's open and yeah i think i think it's important a lot of people obviously i can't I, I, you know i can't be here all the time every time because i've got a life outside of this and and responsibilities outside of work and you know when you preach work-life balance and for many many uh years of my career all i did was just work 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 and i've got a 14 year old boy who you know, I thought to myself, I just woke up, like this morning I woke up because he's going back to school tomorrow and he's in secondary school now. And I couldn't remember what his primary school 
name was. <laughs> Do you understand what I mean? Because you yeah. know, I never, never went to a parent teacher's evening, blah, 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 because I was always working. So, yeah. you know, so now it's about trying to find that balance. So we're open four days. Of those four days, I'm pretty much in all the time unless I've got to do something else or, you know, uh, you know I've got to help my parents out or whatever. But otherwise, I'm always, you know, from Wednesday to Saturday, I'm always in. So just because a lot of people book months and months ahead um, to enjoy the food and for whatever reason, they want to meet me as well. I mean, I, I know me. I would want to meet me. But <laughs> I'm, I'm, a, I'm a boring bastard. So, yeah. but yeah. So, no, but like, yeah. So, so, you know, you've got to respect that. And, um, you know, you got to, if you're around, you've got to be there to thank them for it. So, it's, it's important. What do you do with your Sundays off? Do you do much? Or? Oh, Sunday roast, mate. Yeah. Mm. So, yeah. I mean, since we reopened, a lot of sun- Sundays, I have actually been working at Pole Perea, banging out roasts. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, when I'm not doing that at the restaurant, uh, I like to have a Sunday roast with my son. Yeah. So I've got my son, uh, his mother. So um, so they obviously live. Uh, we we split up in two thousand and eight, but we've got a great relationship. So and we we share two pups as well. So Sundays are basically or early part of Sunday. Um, it's dedicated to them really. So I go around. I cook a Sunday roast. We eat as a family. I play with my boys, my little. I've got, I've got a Labrador and a and a Spaniel. So, um, yes, yeah, so I just and, and obviously Alex. So we just have a laugh and mm, enjoy nice. each other's company. Yeah. What's better behave the pups or the chefs in here? <laughs> <laughs> now here, I mean Neil's got everyone like sort of locked down, but here we 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 have a laugh, you know. As a, as a, yeah, it's, we're, I mean, we're, the we're days not. Are gone in all fairness, we're not. We're not like a serious kitchen, you know. Like, it, it is about having a laugh and we do have a laugh and a joke and that's that's what it's all about you know most of our brigade are young mm. um and you know i like to have a laugh i got over myself a long time ago like 10 10 10 12 years ago and you know i realized life's just a lot better and works a lot better when you're having a laugh obviously everyone knows we're here to do a job and you get the job done and no one's disrespectful but you have a laugh. At, you have a laugh and a joke while you're doing it. Yeah, if you, you do know. have a smile on your face, yeah. it's nicer even you see this is open and a lot of the kitchens now are open. If you can see everyone having a laugh and exactly, and and you know everyone is having a laugh. Everyone just focused doing their thing, and you know I don't want customers to see that it's a stressful or unwelcoming environment, and that's the, one of the reasons why we bought it all together. So, so the. So, you know, because the kitchen is just as much the guest experience as front of house. So it's it's very important. So that you know, that welcoming, approachable, uh, jovial attitude that we have to service, that goes through the kitchen as well. So that's one of the reasons why. But yeah, I mean, it's, you know. I think it always is. People underestimate, it, like, how a customer feels when they walk in and they can tell straight away if, like, the kitchen's having a bad day. Or the waiting staff from Vado, or the waiting staff in the kitchen staff are at war. You know, you've been to them places yeah, and sat course, down and course. thought, oh, fuck mm. it. Up. What have I just walked into? It's like when you went to your mate's house when you were a kid and the parents are fine. <laughs> I've had a raft yeah. an argument. <laughs> you get that feeling in the, in the whole car, restaurant. Yeah. You're like, what's that feeling? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> but yeah, so like for us, I mean, obviously everyone has bad days, and but we try and what we try and do is just try and resolve things quickly. And, 
and and get on with it. But you know, the fact is, we all understand we're all in it together. Whatever the trials and tribulations of that day of that week are, we're we're gonna have to get through it together. So, as you know, you either try and but uh, you know shoulder that burden on your own and turn into a fucking grouch, or you do it together and you pull through together, yeah. and that's that's what it is. So, like since coming back. You know, as, as everyone in the industry knows, as a country, I think we've just got had a massive uh, a drain on labour, whatever industry you're in. Um, but hospitality is one that you know, has been quite widely reported. So even with us, yes, we've had that, but we, we accept the fact that we've got uh, we've got to get through it, and the good times will return again. You know, and for Fingers anyone. Crossed, anyway. Sorry? Fingers crossed. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like, for anyone who joins us, you know, it's a, it's a great, great opportunity for them because you know, we are a very progressive space. Um, we invest heavily in our business because I don't have a load of shareholders asking for returns or blah, blah, blah. That, that doesn't exist here. Here, it's just about me doing what I want to do. And so, you know, look, I've, I've put a new kitchen in two years after putting the first one in, so <laughs> most kitchen, most restaurants would run a kitchen for at least ten years. The last kitchen was by no stretch of the imagination uh, not fit for purpose. I mean, it all had like great, you know, the best equipment. Um, but you know, I thought it was a nice treat, not only for me, but a nice treat for everyone, for the lads, you know, to come back and to have something like this to look mm. forward to. So incredible when you think of the timing as well. A lot of people just thought, well, we do need it, but you know, we've lost a year and a half of, of like because of all the COVID. So yeah, revenue. We'll pull it off for another yeah. couple of years, but to do that now, it's very brave. Like. Yeah, I thought, you know, I, 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 I think I decided on what happened. Yeah, I think we got pissed on a Friday <laughs> and I woke up on Saturday morning and I think I. I mentioned it on Friday, and I don't know what happened. And I think I don't think Neil or or, or Foss took me seriously. On Saturday <laughs> morning, I woke up and I said, "We're going to get a new kitchen." And then I came back in on Monday and I start ripping it apart myself. So as if it's then I've got no choice <laughs> but to get it in. So with a bat. See, you can't you can't procrastinate, can you? If, if it's torn out already and yeah. you start tearing it out already, you can't. You can't really. Uh, yeah, you got to go. Uh, you got to get it done. Yeah, so then I uh, called the uh, spoke to the kitchen supplies. I said, "This, I need it, and it needs to be in by this date." And the, you know, obviously, normally for a project like this, it's you know four or five months because everything's bespoke. We managed to pull it all together in what, eight weeks, nine weeks. Wow. So, <laughs> no, you, you can't get someone coat. to come and put a kitchen in your house in eight weeks yeah. at the minute. <laughs> you know? so, but yeah, so we got it done. Just like I say, it was a week later than I'd planned because we'd hoped to have the kitchen for a week, but we got it two hours before we opened, which was, I think I put a post up on Instagram the day before and it was all just a shell uh, I was like yeah by tomorrow this will be <laughs> busy <laughs> yeah you know I was being very hopeful and and, and we pulled it off they, they you know we all pulled together and we managed to uh, get it get it get it you know get it here and it's you know it's served us really well since it's impressive really impressive yeah I don't know I normally ask um, 
what do you look for when you're recruiting staff? But I suppose at the minute it's just anyone. <laughs> yeah, arms, legs. No, even then, you know, we're, our doors are open for anyone. So, yeah. you know, but it's, it's it, no, but what we normally look for, like something that we always look for is attitude. If you've got the attitude, um, that I can't, you know, we, we can't train you to have a good attitude, mm. but we can train you to do everything else. Yeah. So that's what we tend to look at. Is that Just like, do you mind, by good, do you mean like positive? like or Yeah, positive, you know, want to get it done, want to do something with your life, you know, not just doing it because you want a job, doing it because you actually want to do something with yourself and make, make something of yourself, you know, be bigger than the sum of you essentially and, and want to be a... Yeah, just just want to make your mark. So, you know, if you've got that and you you come in fighting, like, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm gonna make this work for me, then we've got a job for you, and that's that's how it's always been. Is that something you like to do and take them under your wing and then maybe bring them up a bit? Yeah, that's yeah. what that's what we do. Yeah, so you know, it's like I said, we've got a very young team. Uh, always have done. It's always a case of just taking youngsters and and building up, building them up. But then it's not. Because you know you t- we t- we take the young ones on because we can pay them less. We actually pay them more than you know restaurants. You know our CDPs get paid more than sous chefs mm. at other restaurants in the city. Do you find the college in the city helps with that? Uh, I mean, yeah, we, we've got a lot of students from the college, but once again, it's 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 not down to the college. It's down to the individuals. Yeah, you know, we've had kids. We've got absolutely nothing to do with the college of coming and done an incredible job but then we've had kids from the college who've done three years there or four years and they've come in and they can't chop a shallot so it's <laughs> like you know but but you know but they've got a certificate yeah right well you know that's not gonna help you much. yeah certificates <laughs> not certificates not gonna do your prep bud so yeah. so yeah it's like for me it's it's all about that really it's it's about having the right attitude and then if you've got the right attitude and then, you know, for the younger lads, it's, you know, when we opened this place, it was about, not just about hopes and aspirations of your own personal dreams, it's about what you can do for the city as well mm-hmm. because this was actually supposed to be a Mayfair and, wow. yeah, yeah. and then uh, obviously we decided to do it in Birmingham but because, you know, it just made sense to invest in your own city and and create opportunities for people in your own city well this is if i'm right this is the only michelin starred indian restaurant outside of london yeah right? the first and only yeah. yeah so and then you know what we do is totally unique it's very like totally left field compared to all the other michelin starred indian restaurants as well you know our approach is, is it is totally unique and you know it puts us in a yeah puts us in a good place because, you know, what we do is what we do. I feel like if anywhere should have a Michelin-starred Indian restaurant, it has to be Birmingham. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it, may, it, it makes sense, be because Birmingham. obviously, you know, as a, as a city, like a few years back, I had to do a bit of research for a programme I was doing for the BBC uh, about food from Birmingham, essentially, and you can't find anything, really, yeah. apart from our love of Indian food. I mean, yeah, you, you go f- as far back as possible, and then... You get some reference to say faggots and peas and stuff like that, um, but really, in all fairness, you know that's the only other thing that sort of comes up. But then, if you compare it to 
what come you know what else comes up everything else is just fucking curry <laughs> like just Indian food and curry that's what it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's known for Balti's this that and the other I think I think it was for Market Kitchen I had to do something where I had to do a dish that represented Birmingham but I didn't want to do fucking curry <laughs> what else what else are we you known is there for, anything you know? else to do <laughs> yeah and, and you know and it's, it's it was quite difficult but yeah so you're right it sort of makes sense like it's become something that we're known for as a city so just going back to recruitment, did you get many people coming, like more people want to come and work here after you won Michelin Star? Um, yeah, I guess, I guess so. I think, you know, a lot, a lot of people, because, um, you know, a lot of people know about you then, don't you? Because yeah, it puts yeah. you on a, a different platform. But prior to that, I guess, you know, we relied heavily on my own profile, I guess, and, and the, the entire business relied on that, including recruitment, you know. Whereas it opens you up to new markets, new people. And when it's a new market, it's not just customers, uh, to, 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 to labor market. And, you know, more people who wouldn't have necessarily heard of you or, or, or unless they were in Birmingham or they've come here, they now hear about you. And that sparked some interest. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's great. So we had an intern from, um, we've just gone back uh, from the Institute of Bagus um, in, um, Paul Bagus, sorry, yeah, from Lyon. Yeah. You know. Yeah. So we, we get a lot of requests for internships yeah. to come and spend a quarter with us and work with us. So it's, yeah, it's good. But it's going good back to the profile, did that all really start with F Word, the TV? Sort of you know, before that, I, th- before I think that? I was, it was very much like Birmingham-based. It was, yeah, very much a local face. And obviously that, you know, every Friday night, I was in front of like six, six to nine million people um, on the final series of the F Word. So, you know, that went out to not only the UK viewers, but all over the world. Mm. And so that, yeah, that automatically obviously... You know, boosts uh, interest in you, I guess. And um, then after that, I did uh, a, you know, a Great British Menu. I did three three seasons with them. Um, that obviously helped as well. Well, that seems like a show that really can help launch a career as well in this industry. Because it's like, oh, that's where I, if I want to see the new chefs and where to eat or something like that, I'll watch it every year, just waiting to say, oh, that, he's interesting. Yeah, there's always like really interesting people, yeah. someone on there. Yeah, because, you know, I think one thing as well with GBM, they, they, they have an active effort to try and seek out new new potential talent, you know, because, you know, yeah, sometimes it's nice seeing the same faces, but then it also gets boring as well. When you see the same faces, it almost becomes quite predictable. So that's why I think one good thing with uh, Great British Menus, the fact that, you know, you get this new crop, and you know something like I think it's about forty odd chefs. If you get all the uh, regions, so yeah, you know out of that forty odd, you probably get I don't know thirty percent people that have returned a few times. Yeah. But then you know the rest are new. And then obviously Master Chef's incredible because that you know Master Chef professionals, you you get to see a massive amount of new talent coming through, and you know, it's up to you for you to decide which ones you like and which ones you don't. But 
you know, not necessarily, it's not just the guys who win or make it to the final. There's some really good ones along the way that you, you come across yeah, yeah, and yeah. really interesting characters. So, yeah, I think those programs are, are really good. They're great for the industry. Does it sort of surprise you that you can be a celebrity chef? Because it's essentially you're cooking food for people. Does it surprise you? It's not singing or acting or something yeah. you'd expect to see someone on telly doing. But yeah, no, are, I think no, it's, it's it, weird it, to get a profile from TV work. Almost. I think, yeah, for, for guys like us, you know, or for me anyway, you know, when, when I was growing up, we had Delia, uh, Floyd, Floyd Rick, Stein's, Floyd, Rick Stein's been knocking around for quite a bit, <laughs> yeah, so he's still, you know, he's still around. But yeah, yeah Ainsley and the uh, Ainsley, yeah, 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 yeah. So yeah. I, I cooked for Ainsley a few times. You know, we're talking a long, 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 long time back, and he's a bloody nice guy. But yeah, so it's like. You know, that's a different kettle of fish. And, you know, whereas I think a lot of people are growing up in the industry now, for them it's quite normal because, you know, since, since I, I know Marco started it off, but I think Gordon really made it a thing. Gordon and Jamie, I'd, I'd say. Um, and obviously Jamie more for the home cooks, whereas Gordon, not only for the home cooks, but for the industry as well. Yeah. We gave everyone a glimpse of what it was actually like as yeah. well. Terrifying and, at that time. <laughs> yeah, at the time the cultures were different. But it's like but the thing is it's it's um it's it's made the whole celebrity chef thing quite a normal thing. It's 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 not something that's unusual now. Yeah. You know, it's so now I don't see it as a thing, whereas you know, I remember growing up thinking just someone cooking on TV. No, it's just, it's just cooking, you know. But <clears throat> and obviously, with people like Gordon because they're at the you know the, the top end of the game, you sort of understand that. But whereas now, I mean, pff, these days, really, if you can capture an audience, anyone can become. A, I mean, I don't like the way they use the term chef because unless you're a professional chef, are you as in you cook for a living? I don't think you should. You should. Get go the badge around, of chef. Go around saying, "Yeah, I'm a, I'm a chef," because you're not. You're a, you're a home cook that maybe cooks on some TV programs or on Instagram or whatever. But that's what you are. But unless you know, if you, you you're because you know, I can't say I'm an optician because <laughs> you know I, I can you know I wear glasses or well not that I do, but do you understand yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Or, or I've, I've looked at a board and read the, you know, told someone to read the f- top four lines, you know, you, you, you can't do that. You, sh- you can't, I wouldn't do that. So like, I wouldn't go, like, I wouldn't go around saying I'm a chef unless I am actually a chef, but yeah. you can be honest and say I'm a home cook or I'm a, an amateur cook or I'm a enthusiastic cook, but. Or even a professional, uh, you can be a professional cook. Yeah. It's not the same thing as a chef. Or it, I'd, there used to be a differentiation between them, I think. Like, I remember, mm. like, I used to work in pub kitchens. I'd never call myself a chef because it was nothing like being a chef. It was a cook, like, and it, but we've lost that a little bit with Instagram and everything. But. Yeah, I think, you know, every, everyone's, now everyone's a chef, yeah, you know, and, yeah. and, and, and which is, which is, yeah, you know, but I don't get hung up about it, to be honest with you, because, you know, I've, I've cooked, I've done a lot of TV programs, I've cooked with a lot of people, and, mm. you know, some can cook and some can't. You know, mm. and but that's 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 between them and their, you know, what they want to say. You know, at least when I lay my head down at, at night, I know I can cook a piece of meat. <laughs> I can, you know, I can make a yeah. stock. I can do the, you know, I can do it. Yeah. 
yeah. So. And you have a Michelin star to prove it. Well, that, right? <laughs> yeah. it would be, you know, but I'm, you know, I'm not bullshitting anyone, you know, at the end of yeah, the day, and, yeah. and that's what it's all about. So, yeah, but, you know, the like, thing is with me, like a lot of people, my mates who, who know me, frankly, like, I just don't give a fuck about it or give a fuck about anyone. You know, I'm, I'm more concerned about me and my business. Yeah. And, you know, when I say my business, like what I've got influence over, you know, the people I'm responsible for. That's that's what I'm. So that's why you, like I don't you, you know I don't really get involved in anything, if you know what I mean. You know any spats or yeah, yeah blah yeah. blah blah. Like fuck it, you know you can if you want to go and say you're an astronaut, fucking power to you, man. Fucking <laughs> whatever, I don't, whatever. <laughs> yeah, that's it, man. It just seems like anyone can get on Twitter now and start a spat with someone else over absolutely fuck all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. I've, I, I, throughout lockdown, when I got a bit bored, I had, I had, I had a few uh, few stuff, but I was enjoying it, you know. I thought, it gave me something to fucking do. It's either that or <laughs> either that or walk the canals again. Like, and I've done that like every day from lockdown one. So I had a couple of spats with people. Because, um, yeah, I was a bit vocal because I didn't like the way the government were just turning the turning the tap on and off like as, as well, trying to turn our industry on and off like it's like a fucking tap mm-hmm. like every time we shut down because they weren't really giving you any notice you're losing especially restaurants like us the amount of stock well not the amount of stock because we don't hold much but what we hold is fucking expensive yeah yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. like the first lockdown they didn't really give us uh, any heads up or anything so we're prepping getting ready for mother's day so you can imagine, like, there's fucking thousands of pounds worth of lobster in there, mm. a couple of grand worth of fucking caviar arrived, and then you're told, see you later. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, Fuck. so I was a bit vocal about the fact that, you know, they, 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 there should have been a bit more communication. Like, you know, if you just say, look, this is what's on the cards. However you trickle it down, whether it be through trade organizations or you do it publicly, restaurants will be closed from... In a two weeks' time, it gives us time to run down stock. I mean, if I knew I was closing, I wouldn't order fucking two grand worth of caviar, would I? You know, or two, two three grand worth of lobster, would I? Nah. nah. So that's just, that was just money wasted. Because there's only so much caviar and lobster the lads can fucking eat. Yeah, <laughs> on your toast in the morning. Yeah, <laughs> and you know, and and and, and so so that that's what. So you had a few people. Uh, saying, oh, the, you know, you guys got, you know, like, like, you know, getting the twenty-five grand was like an amazing thing. Like, do you know what the fucking burn rate is for a business this size? Like, do you know what what you know, twenty-five grand for you might be your your salary, and you think, fucking, I'll be all right for a year with that. But have you run a, you know, our payroll at the end of every year is a million quid. So how, how far does twenty-five grand go? You, you know, still had to pay national insurance for everyone who was on furlough. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, crazy. you know, how, how much do you think the rent for a space like this mm-hmm. and all our properties of city centre, how, how much do you think that costs? You know, because landlords are saying, it's okay, guys, you're closed. Yeah, they still want their money. Yeah, they still want pain. So it's like, yeah, this guy is going on and on and on and like, you know, how we're a bunch of greedy business people. So I have to explain how greedy business people like us uh, support him and his family. I think as a business owner, you get lumped into the business owner category, whereas uh, it's different. You're not Jeff Bezos, like no, exactly. <laughs> and you're not, you know, and you're not paying zero tax on them. Exactly, like exactly. Like you know, SMEs. Yeah. We sadly, you know, we we don't have Bezos 
uh, money uh, tax advice. So uh, we, we, we're not set up in uh, offshore bloody tax havens. We're set up in fucking yeah. Birmingham. Like, Essen is at the know? heartbeat of the, of the country, like in yeah, the exactly. background, and they get treated the worst. Like. And so hospitality, I think they make up, is it, the, 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 I think there was the third or fourth largest contributors yeah. to the exchequer. So, as an industry, we're the ones who are getting hammered badly. So, for us as an industry to turn around and say, you know, like, we need some help here. And then to be branded as greedy, leeches, and this, that, and the other, which I, th- I thought, uh, yeah. So, yeah, so a few, few, few of those people had a, a nice little spat with. but um, And it all came about because, you know, you'd get, like, Sky News wanting to have a few words, and you'd say, you know what? It'd be, you know, the government really need to, because you know, it's not just for me. A lot of hospitality industries are small businesses; they're family businesses. Not everyone has uh, deep pockets, or they don't have a VC behind them, ready to throw a pot of money to keep them afloat, like chains have, for example. Mm. So these these businesses needed help, and. Um, and in their cry for help, they've been branded as leeches. You know, stuff like that really pissed me off. So yeah, I, I did enjoy like educating a few people <laughs> on how the how the, how it works. But but you know, in general, like I say, you know, it's, I've got a, f- a very simple um, thing in life, man. Fucking you do you, man. I'll just do me, and yeah, whatever so works for you works for you, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially on Twitter. Well, everywhere, you know. Yeah, like, in general, like you know, I just yeah. I just like. Whatever. That we that went off on a tangent. That whole thing started. You were saying that this was meant to be a Mayfair. Yeah. So, so we're did supposed something to... happen, or was it? No, it's just that realization. You think you know Birmingham's your city. It's your. It's my home as well. Born and brought up. So. Do you have you always loved it? Like do you always... yeah, yeah. I've, 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 I could have lived anywhere I like. Yeah, people get things like uh like I I rapidly sometimes go from loving it to uh, I could be somewhere else right now. <laughs> but you know. But, you see, you see, like, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, like I say, you know, fucking go wherever you want in the world. I mean, there was a time mm-hmm. there we could go wherever we wanted in Europe. We can't anymore. Yeah. But, <laughs> <laughs> but you know what I mean. So like, and 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 uh, the discussions of the whole London thing that went quite far, actually, mm-hmm. like really, really far. I mean, designs, concepts, blah blah blah, property, everything. You know, the property, everything was done, and. Um, yeah, and then, you know, obviously this space came up, this opportunity came up, and here we are. Curry and Birmingham, other than Ophim, it's it's pretty similar everywhere, isn't it? Like, it's traditional curry houses. Yeah, you got your traditional, you got your high-end curry houses, but there was nothing like what this is. Yeah, I think, that, like I said, the difference between what we do and, say, any other Indian restaurant in the country, and probably, there's probably about four or five restaurants, Indian restaurants in the world that sort of, like, take the approach that we do. Um, and it is around gastronomy and around ingredients as opposed to just trying to emulate curry and just emulate, elevate curry, as it were. Because I think most people realise, but some probably don't, that like, what you get in a curry house isn't really like traditional Indian food. No, no, what you get in a, what you get, so I I did a programme last week um, with with the BBC about, uh, it's just a small part of another programme, but it's about, the evolution of uh, curry restaurants, not the evolution, the role curry restaurants paid, played in uh, 
the Bengali community and their uh, their their survival development mm. uh, in, in 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 you know in the UK after they came over, like which was late sixties, early seventies, and it's the fact that you know co restaurants, what they were dishing out, wasn't really s- supposed to be. Or isn't, or it couldn't be, because these guys never had the skills, understanding, or knowledge to emulate cuisine from all over the Indian subcontinent. Because most of these guys are from Bangladesh, mm. so you know whatever knowledge that did trickle down from the handful of restaurants that did have chefs from India back then. So there's a certain groups that my father was telling me about, like the Gaylord Group. They used to bring people, and they've had a few restaurants up and down the country, and you know whatever could almost be magpied from them mm. that's what and then that's from that the british curry developed so what you have as the british curry industry or their menu it's very it's the true honest fact is it's british curry it's not indian food yeah it's delicious but it's 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 a sub cuisine it's a cuisine it's a hybrid between in hybrid of Indian influences and then a group of people just basically put it together. Like, for example, the Dansak is, you know, it's whatever chunks of meat or, or chicken, lentils, pineapple and a glass of fucking cherry. Like, can you tell me the Parsi community back in India, they cook a curry where it's lamb, or chicken, lentils, you know, if they're feeling like they're pushing the boat out of like Del Monte fucking pineapple slices <laughs> and a glass, you know, cocktail cherry. Like, really ask yourself that. Mm. What's the fucking <laughs> likelihood of it? Yeah. Nah. You know? Um, we, now we know, like, you know, you know, that's like, you know, my dad, <clears throat> my dad was telling me about, you know, the the, the Persian biryani. You know, biryani, there's a... There's a there's a bit of an argument between in India about you know how biryanis and pilaus came into India. You know, there's a school of thought that say you know it's it's based on the 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 Persian influences of cooking rice uh, with meats and mm-hmm. so on and so forth. And then there are certain references to uh, different styles of biryanis from say southern India where the Persians didn't really have an influence. You mm-hmm. know, uh, so there's you know there's that. But whatever said and done. It never came with an omelette fried on top with um, <laughs> banana, you know, and and and, and tip top fruit cocktail. Like you know, it never happened. So you know, what we've got here is very much a British thing, and created by the British curry industry. And the British curry industry in general, yes, we've had Indian restaurants or as far back as 1850. So it's been very much. But what we know of Indian food now was very much bought about by the Bengali community um, when and the massive spike of boost happened um, I think it was around the 80s when a lot of the factories got closed down because remember they were all working in factories and mm. that when that closed down so they needed to find another source of income so that's where the co-restaurants that's why you start seeing them everywhere you know it was around the 80s and 90s they were pretty much everything was turning into a curry house yeah. Because that's what was happening at that point. So yeah, so that's very much a you know it's, it's it's thanks to that community, but it's very much you know it, we need to own it and say you know it's a it's a British thing. It's not uh, this foreign exotic food. It's you know, <laughs> do, you, do you see your food 
coming as a sort of it's more from Indian style actual real cooking or is it more based upon the foundations that were put down yeah, it's, 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 is it an evolution thing of is, that? no it's not so it's got absolute fuck all to do with the British curry industry yeah absolutely nothing to do with whatsoever but in, a, in the fact that it's avant-garde it actually so it's like two ends of the spectrum it's very like you know forward thinking and, and like I say you know, we use the term avant-garde but it's actually rooted in history like some of the recipes we work with like the pate that we give with our our bread mm. that's that's like a 600 year old recipe from the, the mogul era you know we've we've got certain recipes that we do that exploit the influences that the chinese brought mm. over to india so we're going even further back we're talking about the the influence of the Arabs and and what they brought into India and how that was amalgamated with Indian culture and how that then found its way into food and how those flavours and how those spices and how that cooking style. Mm. So that's where we're, we're basically like two ends of the spectrum, like very much forward thinking, almost trying to steer... I'm not just trying to steer, but, you know, myself and a hand, like I say, a handful of other chefs throughout the world, myself, Neil, and there's, you know, there's a guy called Pritik in, from Musk. Uh, there's another guy in Bangkok, you know, who's Indian as well. Um, but what we're doing with Indian food and Indian flavor is rooted heavily in, in, its, in, in history and authentic, whatever the term authentic means, but if you look at, you know, food that's, enjoyed across the Indian subcontinent throughout people's homes and steeped in their culture mm. we're taking that we're exploiting that and then what we do here is because I'm a Brahmin born and bred I combine that with the best of British ingredients yeah and create something that's very personal to us here in this space as opposed to it trying to emulate something or or you know like say what some of the other guys have done in the years gone by where I don't know, they're taking a samosa and put chocolate in it. Like, you know, and that's that's their that's their bit, you know. For me that's not gastronomy. But that's no. that's what was done and you know, that's that's what some of the guys in London do and that's their thing. Whereas we take a completely different approach to that. So yeah, so we're we're deaf in, in the weirdest way, we're more authentic. Uh, if you wanna use, let's use the term authentic for yeah. the sake of it. We're more authentic or closer to the roots or more honest to the roots of the cuisine than say your mainstream co restaurant is. Which is a weird thing. Yeah. I've heard you talk about a, a book before that you got like a lot of uh, influence from. Yeah, so it's it's, it's called the Nimatnama, which is a uh, it's a manuscript um, from uh, the late 1300s from mm. uh, what what's known as Delhi now, but back then it's called Mandu, um, and the Sultan, well not Sultan, um, the guy his name Gir Chahi. Yeah. Um, so yeah, he was a sultan, sultan of Mandu, Delhi. Um, started off by him, finished by his son. But he had a massive catalogue of recipes. You know, a third about about a third of it is is dedicated to food, which mm. is quite unheard of because normally back then it's all about economy and politics. Really. But this guy loved food. Um, well, he just loved indulgence, and. 
you look at that and you read some of the recipes and you think, fuck me, man, like these guys were really pushing it back then, like really pushing, like, you know, serious, like, yes, they never had the tech that we've got now, but their approach was like what we'd do now, you know, a potato is not just a potato, it's got to be the potato, it's got to be grown in a particular soil, particular, you know, blah, blah, blah. Mm. You know, for us, it's that, like we'd go down to that, minutiae of detail they were doing that back then with stuff like there's a recipe for uh a, a paneer samosa but you don't just get paneer you've obviously got to make the paneer so you've got the milk but what cow do you get the milk from so even down to the color of the cow <laughs> then you gotta think about what diet the cow was on yeah so how do you supplement the cow's diet with, with different herbs honey pheasant eggs you know these are the things that they were they're feeding the cow to then get that milk to then make that cheese to then make that samosa do you understand what i mean yeah and they were doing that back in the back in the 1300s and you think to yourself like and then all these new ingredients that they were getting exposed through from uh, uh through conquest through trade and how they were incorporating that into their cooking and you think to yourself, fuck, like, that's what was going on back then. Like, what, what the fuck happened with Indian food for the last couple hundred years? Because, you know, we think about, we think about, you know, Bombay Alu or Sagalu or it's just, it's Indian, right? Mm. But that's actually quite relatively new because where do you think potato came from? Mm. The Americas. Yeah, How do you think it got yeah. to India? Through the Portuguese. Yeah. Yeah. Like, to think about it, if you look yeah. at some of the really old recipes, there's no chili, reference to chili in there. Mm. The heat came from pepper and stuff like that. Where do you think the chili came from? South America. Yeah. Tomatoes, where do you think that came from? South America. All, all these things that you think about Indian <laughs> food, right? You think it's Indian, right? You think quintessentially Indian ex uh, ingredients. So if you actually really look into it, these guys were being introduced to stuff that they had no fucking clue what to do, but they were so experimental and so so immersed in it, it, it they've, they've almost, they've owned it. Mm. And that's because of the chefs back then, the people back then. So for me, what I do is, is a con what we feel we're doing is a continuation of that work. Yeah, so you get given a lobster or caviar, which and is British. Or European and like, all right, now using that same sentiment, that same attitude, what do you do with this and how? what do we end up with? It's got a bit of a lot of thought process goes yeah, behind these yeah, dishes I mean, and trying to figure out. Is there a lot of things that you've done and you're like, no, that don't work? Yeah, that's all the time <laughs> that we, 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 we have, because it all starts off in your head Yeah, and everything works in your head. Um, or not, not everything, where well, you think it works, and then in application you think, you know what, that needs tweaking, or it doesn't, and you just park that. But then something that you may have parked two years ago, you look at it in a different light, and you think, you know what, that can work, and you work it. So there's never, there's no such thing as a bad idea, really. It only becomes a bad idea when you, when it's, it is actually a bad idea, and you throw it out there, and you're convinced it's great, and no one else is. Yeah. So it's it's that that that's the point where you've just got to you know. I think that like, like I say, you know, in my opinion, there's no such thing as a bad idea. You've got to just roll with it, 
and then until Neil tells you otherwise. No, well, it's like <laughs> yeah. I mean, obviously, it's like you know, you might see like when we do that Quavers thing, like yeah, we should do this, we should do that, and just walking off like shaking his head like <laughs> fucking hell, you know. <laughs> but you know, it's like everything is it's it's about just trying it out and working it and put it out there. Everything needs to see the light of day. It needs to be allowed to go from brain fart all the way to on the plate on the plate you know it's being put together and then you, at that point you can decide nah fuck it it's like I watched some of these old videos where they're trying to you know they developing the helicopter and there's you know or you know the first flying machines and yeah. some of the most stupid ideas but unless someone did it and actually made it and then realised shit it doesn't work we wouldn't be flying around the fucking world now. We wouldn't be flying out into space now. It always, it's it's a series of bad ideas that ends up in a good one because each time you learn something new. Is it quite an open kitchen for that? Can people at a lower level sort of sous chef come up with an idea and develop it and then come to you with it? Yeah, I mean, everyone's encouraged to uh, to think about think about stuff, just little projects, but, you know, whether it's for the... For, it's never really for the menu. Like the menu is like me and Neil, yeah. in all fairness. But everyone's allowed just to have little side projects, just to increase their own knowledge. It doesn't have to be, even if it ends up with something nice for us guys to eat for star food. You know, yeah, it's all good. But it does so. But for the menu, because or what we do here, because you know, at the end of the day, it's really me and Neil who who are invested because we understand the vision as in what we need to develop deliver so that that's pretty much left yeah it's our domain um you know so i'll i'll message neil at three in the morning like fucking hell if she do this for next autumn yeah i know like we're like you know and it's like that like the other day mid-service we're all in the shit i was like you know what we should do for winter we should do this i was like yeah yeah chef yeah yeah Yeah, all right mate yeah yeah can we just get through this tonight i was like yeah but you know, ideas come and you, yeah. you flesh it out. But then, but yeah, for the rest of the staff, like rest of the team, should I say, <clears throat> they're all yeah, they're encouraged to to think about stuff and do stuff. And there's you know, we've got equipment, we've got ingredients. If there's something else you want to try, bring it in. Fucking, it's not going to bankrupt us, is it? So, have you got any dishes or had any dishes on the menu that originated from that book? Um, yeah, so we've done like we did do, uh, we did, uh, a couple of years back, uh, we did, we did something with that cheese. So where we, uh, we, we didn't do it as a samosa. We did it as a little, uh, a, a patty. That was good. Obviously the, the lamb pate that we use from that book. Mm. So, um, yeah, so there's quite a few, few bits off that actually that we do, we do, we do, ha- we ha- do and have done. And we, we often look back at it and, and bring it in and, can you remember who introduced you to the book or where you found it? How did I find it? Um, I think it's in the... Um, actually, I read about it quite a few years back, probably, because it's in... Uh, it's actually... I think it's in the... It's in a museum in London, actually. All oh, right. So uh, it's still there. And I can't remember... I, just, I can't give you exactly how I came across it, but... It's how early on in your career was it? Probably about... About 20 years ago. So... It's fair to say it's shaped everything. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's always shaped the way I look at things. <clears throat> and it was just it's something that I've always read and thought about. And I just, 
I used to re- enjoy reading the recipe because some of the recipes, they're not really recipes, but they are recipes, but they're more, some of them like read like poems, you know, so, yeah. and some of this like. Sounds like a philosophy. Yeah, it? yeah. And, you know, so it doesn't go down to like get three grams of this and this and that, you know, it's not like that. It's more, yeah, like I say, it's philosophy and, and poetry about food. Yeah, and, and so it's always, like, been in, in the back of my head. And then about four years ago, five years ago, I was, I was I had it. I was on holiday. You take it as holiday. And I've read it several times, but I enjoy reading it, so I took it with me. Mm. And, I was yeah, I was getting pissed uh, on a beach in... Yeah, I, was, I, was, I was in Thailand, actually. <laughs> and I thought, you know what, fuck it. I'm going to come back and I'm, I'm going to do something. And at that point, I'd, I'd, I'd left Lausanne because I'd sick and tired of that bullshit to be honest with you you know it was I, I yeah I'd, I'd had enough so I'd, I was having a year or so out just just walking the earth really and I realised I, I want there's so much more I want to do and I came back and you know this happened and, and here we are Ophim yeah Ophim yeah and the word Ophim yeah. came from it's because uh, that same guy Gia Chahi was well into it like a female means as an opium it was uh you know he was he was, he was on it if you know yeah, he's having a good and, time. And that's where the word or the name of came from because it's all um, i just hope he hasn't got any descendants who come and fucking uh start asking for royalties like yeah, yeah if he's inspired everything out we want some but yeah so you know he one thing he loves is food drink women because he had a harem of fifteen thousand. Jesus. Yeah, I mean, like, fuck, I don't know. I mean, one's bad enough. I don't know. Man, <laughs> I don't know. He's 15,000. 15,000. And, um, and he, lo- he, was, he was on opiates. All the- he loved it. And the man was on it. So, uh, but yes, that's uh, so the, the word Ophim is based on the old Hindi and uh, I think it's a Persian or Arabic word for opium. Mm. That's the amalgamation of the two. And then the slightly softened from the A to the O. Yeah, so the, the Michelin star came really quick for this restaurant, didn't it? It was like a, was it a year in. Yeah, a year in. Yeah, so we got we had our first visit and an announced visit within within about three weeks of opening, and they you know they were very supportive. And um, but at that point we'd not been open because the guide was closing at the end of the uh, end of that month, and we'd not been open <clears throat> long enough. To make it into that year because we've only been open for three weeks so but yeah so we've, we've got it within a year is that sort of a byproduct or an intention There's, i've always said like i you know a lot, a lot of people said did you open it to get a star or you know like customers ask you that it's like well, that's not how michelin works yeah you know you get one because you've done something that Either st- stands out or, or they feel, um, you know, it's it's worthy of one. You know, at the end of the day, you know, Michelin is Michelin, and they when they decide you you're worthy of one, you're worthy of one, and and they give you that and they award that to you, which is fantastic. But you can't play a game with them. There's no like they don't come to you and say here's the uh, boxes you need to tick. That's secretive. Like, how would you just sat, wake up one day and say, right, I'm going to open a Michelin star? Yeah, yeah. exactly, because it doesn't, doesn't work like that. So what it does work, how, how it has been for us, we woke up, I woke up, and I said, I want to cook food like this. And 
that's my philosophy and I want to work with these farms and I work, work with these people and, you know, this, these guys, you know, these fish, you know, guys who produce this, you know, I really like them and I'll work with their products and, and that's it. And, was that and, quite a long time process of like finding these suppliers and saying yes, this yes, is what and I no. It's people do. that I've worked with or come across in my industry in my throughout my career, and you, you know you pick up people, don't you, mm. through life, and you you certainly do that in your career as well. Yeah. And it's a simple case of yeah. I mean, like when people ask like, "What is a famous?" It's basically my life's work. It is everything I've done and people I've come across. You know, everyone who put this restaurant together. They're my friends, you know, from mm. the guys who did the walls, the guys who did the floors, to Timmy who did the bulk of the uh, the work. We're all mates, mm. you know. To the guys who did the furniture, the local lads, you know. So, do you remember where you were when you found out you were getting the stuff? I got an email. I think I woke up in the morning. And so I was dead, yeah, obviously I normally wake up in bed. <laughs> uh, so I woke up, and then I, I think I sent. Uh, I sent Neil a message and we're like, oh, fuck, 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 fuck. It was about, I think it was a Friday, Friday morning and the Monday was the awards thing. Mm. So they do leave it pretty late. And, you know, close friends you, you share that with. When I say close, like super, super close friends um, who've all got stars and, you know, you, you send them, like, mate, this has come through, what's, what's the deal? And, you know, Everyone was like, like, mate, you know, well done already. And the only person like Nigel, who's one of my closest friends, Nigel Howarth, he was the only one who said like, you know, until they announce your fucking name, just enjoy the weekend, work the weekend, blah, 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 and go to the event, enjoy the event. But until they announce your name, just enjoy it, you know. Because I guess he's, you know, he's, 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 you know, he's been in the industry, he's held the stuff 20 odd years and, you know, I guess, you know, he just, you never know, do you? Mm-hmm. You don't want to count chickens. I mean, he didn't want us, yeah, I guess he didn't want us to have a, a weekend where we were all pa- either panicky or whatever. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, but, you know, yeah, like Tom Carriage, like Paul Ainsworth, everyone were like, yeah, yeah, mate, welcome to the club sort of thing. <laughs> <laughs> it was a pretty poorly kept secret, wasn't it? Like, I think, yeah, I think yeah. it's... I think, you know, everyone in the industry, not everyone in the industry, but at least, but the thing is, like, we've got a lot of friends, so. Yeah, yeah. But, like, yeah, I mean, obviously, no one in the uh, wider public or 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 in the, the media were aware no. uh, until it was announced on the Monday afternoon, so, yeah. But, yeah, obviously, you do, like, you talk to your mates, don't you? Yeah, yeah, everyone, especially in Birmingham, everyone talks, doesn't they? Yeah, but I think, like, you know, but we were getting, like, a lot of the uh, restaurants in Birmingham were messaging, like, have you had an invite? Have you had an invite? We didn't actually tell anyone. So I know, like, we were quite mean, but, like, Alex Claridge, he was like, asking, have you had one? Have you had one? I'm like, it's a lot, man. Nothing's come through yet, sort of thing. Because, <clears throat> you know, you... Yeah, uh, you, you don't look silly then if you, you do say, yeah, exactly. "Yeah, we've had an invite," and then yeah, it's like some it. kind of because they do have little awards as yeah, well. Yeah, like, like like you know, the, you know, awards, you, know, the, you, know you get the cuddly te- uh, cuddly toy award. You know, what I mean, yeah, like, they, you they do have like <laughs> most you know. sustainable restaurant. And yeah, stuff like that, so so we we didn't actually the only people like I say we we spoke to, I spoke to Paul Foster because you know he's one of my he's a very close mate, uh, Daniel Clifford, Tom Kerridge, Paul Ainsworth. Um, I spoke to Luke because Luke's like, you know, we've been mates for 20 odd years. And Glyn, 
really, and that's pretty much everyone in the mm. city that I've spoken to, really, or in the trade. So just, and obviously, you know, ourselves. Yeah. 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 So, yeah, we didn't even tell the kids in here, really. But, wow. but they were excited when they found out, weren't they? Yeah, yeah, because yeah. we wanted them to enjoy it. And, yeah. and, and, and you know, and, and they did. Yeah. So, yeah, it was, it was it was great. No, it was, it was when it was announced, it was, and, yeah. But it's, it's not real until you're on the stage. Yeah. And I think that's what Nigel was trying to say to me. It's like, mm. just go to the event, enjoy the event. And then when they announce your name, go up. They hand it to you. That's, that's, that. Until then, just chill out. Relax. It's yeah. still a great prestige in it, though. And they're like, you know, even as a, like, if I was a commie chef for a Michelin star restaurant, I'd be like telling my mates in the pub, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm coming at Michelin star. Actually, it was quite cool because we've got, we've, got, we've got a lot of these, like, we're talking about students. So a lot of them are commies. Students here are commies and they're from UCB. They're bouncing into college, yeah. then, then telling their <laughs> lecturers how it is. You know? <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 This is how you do So it's quite, quite, quite funny, actually. It's, it's good for them. It is good for them. So It's a nice touch. You like people. People say, oh, Michelin, what's it all about? Does it even matter anymore? But yeah, it's, I think it does. I mean, it definitely matters for us, yeah. for sure. You know, I think you work your whole life. And, and if, you know, if you're a chef that actually cares about cooking, I think it means something to you. Yeah, there's a lot of chefs out there it doesn't mean anything to because they've never strived for it because their the career path or their mindset isn't of that. Whereas, mm. you know, for me... And you know, chefs like me, it's it's always been <clears throat> it's always been like the, the the overriding factor, and you know, the, the what's been pushing you to do what you do. Mm-hmm. Like I spent this afternoon, I spent four hours peeling tomatoes, like baby <laughs> baby plums. Why, why do you think I do that? Yeah. You know, it's because we what we want to do the best, and you know, I spent. The two hours before that, scrubbing, new, you know, uh, Jersey oils and actually getting in it with a toothbrush and making sure every little bit, you know, why'd you do that? Like, no, you know, the average restaurant wouldn't bother, but then why do starred restaurants do that? Because it, and why do restaurants who have stars have stars? It's because they're willing to do that, go that extra mile, spend two days making the sauce as opposed to two hours, because, you know, or 20 minutes if you can get it out of a packet. Which is ninety-five percent of the industry, mm-hmm. but the other small percentage that go that extra bit. Why? Why is that? And that's what stars are for. That's why it's for. Yeah, it's a love yeah. of the love of the game, isn't it? Yeah, exactly. If you look at the sort of stuff that Brad does. Yeah, sorry, I told Brad as well because me and Brad were like family, like me, Brad and Holly. But yeah, like the stuff that Brad does. Like, why? Do, why does he do that? We were saying there must have been a time on the way here we were talking there must have been a crossover point where you were both in Shirley at the same time you know there was a crossover we used to come down to <laughs> yeah, the rest yeah he used to come he used to come over to to Karma when I was there yeah yeah that's how that's where we met all those years back <laughs> it's madness isn't it? yeah it's yeah it's, it's quite funny so I put a post up I think last week uh, or the week before when we were at the 100, 100 best and it was uh, it was the thing that you know the three of us me, me Brad and Holly you know Three of us we met twenty odd years ago in at two small two restaurants, restaurants yeah, in Shirley. And Shirley spawned two Michelin star chefs yeah. now. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, twenty years later, you know, we both have stars and we're both in the top one hundred, so Was it twenty twenty you opened Paul Piera? 
or February? It's, yeah, it's, uh, February. February. Well, no, not February. It's March. March. So it's, we had, I think we had some like 11 or 12 trading days before they locked us down. Oh, the best timed opening ever. Was there any part of you that thought, ah, oh, fuck it, let's just give up on it? Like, no, you never give up on it. I mean, that's why it's still there. Yeah. I mean, the only one we had to give up on was on Lenya. But as you can see, I don't know if you saw the building on the way in. Yeah, yeah you know, it's been it's been in a, inaccessible for two years. Well, it's not development. That's because of Grenfell Tower. So that I building, what it was. yeah, that building was uh, found to be probably one of the worst event offenders in this city. There's the fire insulation, the issues with that. So, you know, as you can see, and it's probably going to be like this for the best part of another year. So also for most of the time you had Lenya, you couldn't walk from here to the city center. Yeah, <laughs> it was the works that were going on around the, Paradise. Yeah, so. but that, that that wasn't really an issue because Lenya yeah. was still all right. You know, yeah. we're we, you know we're we're open and we're you know we're full when we needed you know the weekends, you know Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. So it was fine. But once that happened, you know, mm. and they've actually had to tear the the restaurant apart in order to get the supports and stuff. To oh move. yeah. Jeez. And so it was, it was a case of, you know, I had to, yeah, we had to give that up. But yeah, I mean, Paul Pereira, yeah, it was, I, I did think like, fucking our timing was a bit of shit. <laughs> but, you know, it's a restaurant that I love. You know, we all love it. Like all the lads here, like when we're not on a Sunday, we all go to eat there. What was the big motivation to open that? I spent a lot of time in uh, South America. And oh, then okay. uh, I opened, well, I opened for the first Argentine restaurant in, in Birmingham all those years back and yeah. that happened because of a guy that I met when I was in the F word I knew Ernesto. it was yeah. Cause I, rem I remember that specifically because I remember yeah. seeing you go up against him and I was like yeah. you know what I know my boy's from Birmingham but that steak looks <laughs> yeah that was good so we became really good mates obviously I gave him a spanking on the show yeah. uh, you know, I gave him a little and, but we became really good mates and then uh, from that really Paul Pereira is what that other restaurant Fiesta was supposed to be but the thing is with that that lot like Gordon said it when I was when when we were working together, it's like there's only so long you can drag because it's like like I say it's it's like trying to do a Michelin starred restaurant with a 99p store mentality, and that's it, that fight was always on. And it's like like Gordon says, there's only so long you can drag them unless they can jump onto that boat with you and row with you, it's going to kill you. And I think whilst I was doing that show, it was showing how much strain and fatigue it was. And there's only so long I could drag it on. And what happened with me was um, the thing that made me realize that I wanted to move on was I had a friend called Steve Groves who used to work for Michelle Rue. Mm. So him and his wife, they came up for dinner and he sent me a very honest message. And he said, you know, actor, you know, we know you f for the food that we know you for, but I just ate at Lasan, and that's not your food. Because what would happen at Lasan is, you know, you put something forward, and then it'll just get stripped back to its bare, not even bare bones. It'll just basically get turned into like curry house shit, really. It just wouldn't want, wouldn't be what you wanted. To yeah, with like a, with a few microherbs on yeah. top, and you know those microherbs thrown on it really badly as well. <laughs> so mm. I'd been fighting it for so long. And I think the final year, like 2016, I was, I was more at Nosh and Quaff, you know, and I, I just had enough of them. And, and like, and that's, that's why I left. I just said, you know what, fuck this shit. I can't do this shit anymore. Because what was happening as well, it was affecting me personally because you had customers and people 
come in because they've seen you do something on TV or whatever, expecting to get that, mm. and then them turning up and getting something completely different. Yeah. And so Paul Pierre is that's more of what you would like, really want to. Yeah. Do so if I was to do an Indian restaurant, this is what you get. Yeah. And if you yeah. Do an yeah. If I'm doing at a beef restaurant, that's what you get. You know, the best mm. beef. You know, all fresh cooking. Nothing's frozen. Nothing comes out of a packet. You know, when I say I use the best beef, I do use the best beef. I don't just say it and then sneak other shit in. That's not my thing. You know what I mean? Or I don't say something and, yeah, just rely on my... Yeah, do you know what I mean? There's, there's, no, there's, no, there's no bullshit in it. Yeah. Do you know yeah. what I mean? It is, yeah. it is what it is. So, like, say, here, this is food that represents me. So every guest who walks in through this door... I can proudly put a plate of food in front of them and say, this is me. Mm. Whether I'm here on that service or not, it's me. Yeah. And I'm proud of it. Whereas I, could, I couldn't say the same for them, but that's what it was killing me inside. It was calling mm-hmm. me like fucking issues. So that's why I had to get away from them and that lot. It must be quite difficult having a restaurant as it is, but then to have another restaurant that does a completely different style of food and completely... Like, I can imagine running a restaurant like this is like spinning a plate and then having a restaurant that isn't even Indian food, it's Argentinian food, that's spinning a plate and juggling at the same time. Yeah, but it's, you know, I've, I've, I've run up to five restaurants at one time. Yeah. So all doing completely different things. So from a, a Napolitan-style pizzeria to an American, North American restaurant to the Argentine to an Indian, you know, I'm, it's okay for me. Yeah. And then with restaurants like here and Polperia, for example, and it's built around ingredients. So the ingredients do all the work. Like, potpourri is all about fucking great beef. You know, what are you doing to the beef? Throwing a bit of salt on it and putting it on some fire. Beef's doing all the work for you. Yeah, <laughs> good pieces, all it needs yeah, to do is... you know, and that's what it is. And like, you know, the salad or the tomatoes to go with, well, you know, we're using... You know, we're not getting shit fucking salad tomatoes. We're using Isle of Whites. Mm. So the tomatoes taste like tomato and they're lovely we just once what we're doing to that a little bit of salt it goes back to the philosophy thing from the book doesn't it like yeah you, you're just taking just that philosophy and mm. so adding it to a different for polporia really it's all around really good ingredients like mm. same here and but they just do very little to it and that, that's what polporia is about so it's you know it's that any, I think you can do any cuisine as long as you respect the culture and respect the ingredients. Mm. That's all we do. Mm. Like here, we, 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 like, we just respect great British ingredients. Like, you know, the Orkney scallops that we use, they're lovely and sweet and plump. Mm. What do you need to do to that? Yeah. yeah, yeah. You don't want to fuck around with it so no. much. <laughs> of course not. You know, the, the fish, the halibut that we use, that you know just poach it lightly you know you treat it treat the ingredients with respect you're fine you must have had a good time testing all the steaks to go and try yeah, and find man. the ones for the restaurant yeah no no but that all that sort of like came from traveling and once again you meet people yeah you know i was the first ever to ever bring chuleta to birmingham and i did it 10 years ago for uh, just a one-off event back at fiesta um and you know 
but it's it's fucking expensive mm. and it's not for everyone is that but, the steak with the four is that the cross steak no no no, no. that's the uh aged aged oh, yeah. animals so you know when you're like up to like 18 year old cows oh okay wow you know so the average beef cattle in the uk is a two-year-old say so what does that taste like i can't even imagine what that well, tastes. It's, it's, like, it's like what is um lamb and mutton carter's had uh ex-dairy cow on the menu yeah so that, you know yeah. that, that that stuff's like up to eight years old yeah. but you know the texture's a little firmer but you just get so much more flavor mm. there's a lot more marbling through the muscle because it's an older animal as mm. anything like pff, you get older you, you put on that's just how it is so but yeah no it's it's just it's just really 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 good eating so yeah like I've, I've always enjoyed beef i love beef i mean i you know i dated someone who's vegan so that was fucking hard work no, but. <laughs> i mean but in the end you know what split us up a steak yeah <laughs> it was it was a beef dinner i was supposed to go to that nigel's and she said you can't go because of blah 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 and at, Obviously, I relented and I didn't go, but it, uh, for a week, I sat there like seething with myself. Like, fucking, like, <laughs> fuck. Like, and then that was it. Like, the following weekend, I was like, I can't do this shit anymore. Yeah. And it was, it was for a stake in the end. <laughs> Obviously, there's a culmination of things, but it's that yeah. thing in the end. It's like, you know, we're just so different people. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I remember it, we had the discussion, the heated discussion over that beef dinner. And then the Sunday after, it was like, nah, that's it. see you later. So COVID had both restaurants closed. Yeah. You had to find something new to do. Yeah, so like I say, it's, uh, we started Axor at home. So it started, um, it started off with a bit of fun. So me and Neil, obviously not being co- not cooking every night. And because we're still coming in, trying to get things that, you know, the business still needs, you know, there's admin and stuff that needs. And we're just doing silly things like cleaning. And then we were walking the canals a lot. And then we just got bored and we thought, and we're getting a lot of people asking us, could you do this? Could you do that? Can you help us out? Can you, we're, we're having this, could you do a takeaway? Because we never did takeaway, takeaway is not our thing. So we started doing this uh, roast dinners and we used to do 50 a week and you'd get a slab of Galician. So you get like a kilo of Galician blonde with all the gear with it. And it was, you know, it was, it, was, it was lovely. And they were just selling out like that, you know, 50 would go in minutes. No, I remember I, tried get, I used to try getting them and I couldn't get them. Yeah, ever. possible. And then yeah. <laughs> the final week, no, leading up to it, everyone said, like, would, would Akhtar do a curry? And I was, I was saying to like Frost, I don't want to do a curry, man. <laughs> and then, because you know, there's a lot of work that goes into Indian food. One of the things that Indian food takes is time. Yeah. yeah. And lots of it, you know, so hours and hours of just braising and stuff. So in the end, um, I said, all right, I'll do it. And I think we did 70, 75, and I think it sold out in something like 14 minutes. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of people that didn't get it. So when then we reopened, um, and we're getting like hundreds of emails every week. Like, would you do one? Would you do? Could you? Could you? Could you do? Because we're not going out. We don't feel comfortable yet. Blah blah blah. So after a month, after getting these emails every week, we started doing it again, and we we just started small amounts again, and it just crept up from there. And then obviously we got locked down again. Mm. Um, but even then, as it locked down it just started to build up traction. It was just getting bigger and bigger and bigger and bigger. So when we got locked down again, um, yeah, we just just let it go 
run its own course because it's still going now even though we're all back open it's st- it's still going it's its own kind of phenom now isn't it it's yeah so it's, it's yeah, got it's, 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 selling it's, got, out. it's got its own unit we've got a unit where because throughout the lockdown period a lot of people who had lost their jobs you know cause a lot of businesses just let a lot of people go because it wasn't because they had to cover their ni and so on and so forth so a lot of restaurants and a lot of businesses either folded or said see you later yeah so we 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 gave gave those people jobs, mm. um, so you know we created what twenty six jobs out of it. And when we reopened, instead of letting all these people go, saying, "Oh, well, you know, we're back to business. See you later," we set up the unit. Yeah. And um, at the the uh, basically the actor at home kitchen, they we transferred everything from here from Ophim over to there yeah. with the people as well. So these people, bear in mind, they've been working with us for six or seven months. So they, they know what we how we do it. And even now, like we still oversee all the new recipes and mm. and, and, and the cooking processes. But yes, yeah, so there's 26 people who otherwise wouldn't have had jobs. I've got jobs now who uh, a lot of the younger, the packing team and the logistics team, we've, we actually took from uh, people with disadvantaged backgrounds. And made sure it's you know without going specifics, you know, but people with troubled backgrounds, yeah. uh, connection with gangs, whatever, and they're all young, so it's a case of take you out of that, give you a job, and they'll pull you away from that shit. Mm, yeah. and they're, they're doing incredible things, you know, or people who are recovering from substance abuse, but could have easily if if they weren't given the opportunity or, or given that set responsibility or something to do, that could have led to them being on the streets so on and so forth because all they had was them, their desire for that substance was now yeah. they've got a job and it's a full-time job and it's one that demands that they have to be in, take, it takes their time. So it pulled them away from that. And be, Sometimes people just need a bit of structure, like, you know. Yeah, and yeah. The, the, like I say, you know, the, the, they're all doing really, really well. Mm. I mean, not everyone that we set out to help was successful, you know. Not it's not everyone. That fairy tale. Yeah. It's real life. <laughs> yeah, but out of those, out of everyone, you know, we have got there's 26 people earning a living from it now. Yeah. And like I said, they're all young. Most of them are young, apart from the chefs. Most of them are young, and they're all like below 25, and all from inner city Birmingham. You know, like some of the weeks it was quite not not funny. It was quite scary. Or blah blah blah. Couldn't come in because you got knife the other day because they're you know they're transitioning from that that gang life or whatever and moving into something else and you know it's but it's nice you go in now and you see them they're all happy they're all working they're all doing great stuff and you know a lot of them have moved out from assisted living they've got their own homes now like they've rented apartments or flats and you can see that progression in the space of three or four months because they've wanted to help themselves and we've we've been able to create something to give them an opportunity to help themselves. And then a lot of the charities, because we'd like hundreds and hundreds of kilos of food a week for local charities, mm. for, for like soup ch- kitchens and for uh, Let's Feed Brahm and people like that, you know, for the homeless. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, they, they all became reliant on us as well. So it felt really bad, like when, when the government said we could reopen just to tell everyone like, all right, see you later, you're like, <laughs> fend for yourselves again. You yeah. Know. So, so we, you know, it, it just made sense. Yeah. Oh no, it was the ethical thing to do. 
Yeah, yeah, it was. And it's but still selling out. I had a quick look today. The yeah, boxes yeah. are still gone. Yeah, the boxes are still selling out. I mean, it's, it's you know, obviously we reduced capacity, but it pays for itself. I mean, the investment that I've put in, enough, you know, it's not cheap to set up. Mm. When I'll get that back, when or if, I don't know. But for me, it was a case of I had a moral obligation to these people who I'd slogged it out with for eight or eight months or so. Um, to do something for them and then obviously for the charities that we support to continue to be able to do that because we can't do it from here (laughs) but it's also good it gives people not so much a taste of the actual restaurant but it gives a taste of your style of food and yeah, I guess it gives you a taste of like some people that live in Newcastle. They're never going to come down to Birmingham. No, they no, can no. Order but that box and yeah, it's nationwide, isn't it? What, it, what it does? They can they control that curry? It's something that I've always been quite vocal about saying. It's something that we spoke about earlier on. The fact that British curry is British curry and Indian food is Indian food. They're two very different things. So when you order a box, you actually get Indian food because it's cooked like it's cooked either in homes here. Or back in India, you know, classic, simple mm. recipes. No fucking around. No additives, no colours, no paste, none and of the that. the ingredients stuff. you'd use in the box recipes would be the same yeah. as what you'd use here in a Exactly. Thing. So, you know, you, you get real Indian food and you get a slice of India in a box. Mm. So it's, it is very different to what you get at your curry house. The flavour profiles are completely different. Uh, obviously, the, you know, the quality is completely different because obviously the quality of ingredients that we use in the box is the same as what we use in the restaurants. Yeah. And the fact that there's, you know, Indian food, let's be honest, it's it's very fatty, you know, poor quality fats, lots of sugars, mm. lots of salts, lots of additives, lots of flavouring and lots of colouring. That's Indian food for you. We can't get away from it. Yeah. When it's not Indian food, that's British curry yeah. for you. Yeah. That's a curry restaurant. Like, you know, tikka masala yeah. is that colour, not because of the tomatoes <laughs> in no. it. It's that colour because there's this red powder that comes in an orange jar that they all use on yeah. the amount of it. So... You know, with what you get with us or with the actor at home boxes, just traditional home cooked curry, yeah. done as it would be in those cultures that we're representing. So, if we're doing Gujarati cuisine, it is proper Gujarati food. If it's Parsi cuisine, it's proper Parsi. If it's South Indian, if it's from Kerala, it's Kerala. If it's from Mumbai, it's from how they do it in Mumbai and Chennai and places like that. You know, it's exactly the same. Proper portions. Massive. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And <laughs> one of the other things, the reason why we did the whole portion thing is like we, we ordered a couple of takeaways here, me, Neil, and Frost, and we thought, fuck me, this delivery stuff is fucking expensive. So we start thinking like, you know, the average family, like how they, you know, if they ordered this one meal, it's there and done, and they've spent 60 quid. And, you know, most people would be on 80%. They'd, you know, everyone's struggling. So, we didn't do it to make load of money. We just did it to to basically keep ourselves busy so we didn't turn into vegetables. Mm. So that's the reason why the boxes weigh like 10, 12 kilos. <laughs> because yeah. it was a case of we just throw in as much as we can fit into the box because it's not about making money. It, for us, it was about just keeping ourselves out of trouble, as in our, our minds. Yeah. And it's that understanding that as a, as a whole nation, everyone's going to be struggling financially. You shouldn't be out there trying to exploit that. And anyone who's done that, like, you know what, fair enough, they've made money through it and, you know, they were doing, you know, whatever. I, I just don't agree. I just think takeaways are rip-off. And, mm. I, and I just think the transaction can be fairer. 
Now, people can say, well, at your restaurant, the portions are small, but the, the 13 chefs cooking some of the best ingredients in the country. And by the time you've finished your 15, 16 courses, yeah. if you can fucking eat anymore, you know what? <laughs> fucking hell, you know, hats off to you, mate, because I'm stuffed. I'm, we make sure when you come to our restaurant, when you come to Afim, you leave full. Me and Carl aren't small lads. I know this is audience, so people can't say this, but we're small. We don't live it's our restaurant hungry I've, I'm, I'm yet to anyway yeah a few of them you think oh I could get a kebab later but Do definitely you? not I've this not. place yeah, so I've been here that. twice now I've been lucky enough to eat here twice and one thing I'll make sure like, yeah I make sure issues. the reason why it's come from that mate is because I've had some meals where I've spent 400 quid and then I've walked out and I thought fuck me I'm hungry I need to get some because <laughs> that's just tickled me so it's like a bit of foreplay now you need some fucking action right so go out there and get some fucking food and I've had that. Like, I attack like Gagan, for example, uh, 300 quid ahead. As soon as I got out, obviously it's quite late, so I didn't have much choice. 7 Eleven had some fucking cheese toasties and shit because I was starving. <laughs> you know, there's been a few other meals I've had where, you know, I felt like falling asleep, like hungry and drunk because obviously you've had the wine flight, but not <laughs> enough food to go with it. <laughs> yeah. And I've, I've always said to myself, I would never, I would. It would break my heart to hear someone felt like that leaving my restaurant. I just couldn't fucking do it. And that's why, you know, even though we might advertise 10 courses, you'll end up having 15 or 16 because we'll squeeze food in where we can. How do people go about getting hold of one of these boxes? If yeah, so it's uh, uh, actoratthome.co.uk. You just go online, um, choose the product that you want, and then, uh, you know, you basically go through the is it any day of the week or is it like a Sunday? oh that's it's changing so it is now so oh, okay. come the end of um so we're changing the process so come the end of uh september you'll be able to get deliveries any day of the week and what's changing now at the moment what we do we do a weekly selection mm-hmm. but by the end of september you'll be able to basically pick and choose what you want and build your own boxes oh, amazing yeah so <laughs> because obviously they've they've settled in they've had three months and now they're able to like really develop that business and 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 open it up to do stuff like that because you know the whole once a week thing and you get you know you have a selection that we we make for that week happened because we're doing it out of this space it was never designed to do curry or boxes you know so whereas now where it is it's got its you know purpose-built space so it means and now that they've settled in we can change the product and the service to make it more accessible for everyone so you can you can just basically pick and choose whatever you want you know and you don't have to have the 70 pound box you can you can choose four or five items and and if that's all you want that's all you want you don't have to go for the full lot but the thing is what we always make sure in that 70 pound box for a family of four there's at least three meals in there Anyone I've spoke to who's had it has said, yeah, we had it all week. <laughs> like, yeah, we, yeah. we had it all week. That's, that's the other, the most, a lot, lot of my friends or people that, <clears throat> you know, they'll, they'll order it as a couple and they'll, that's basically their every, you know, for five, six nights of the week, that's their, you know, meals looked after. Mm. And, you know, that's, that's what it was designed to do. And it's always going to be nationwide. Still, yeah. Yeah. I mean, the only problem at the moment we've got, like, certain parts where, um, where, DPD can't deliver, so and and Royal Mail is just 
uneconomical for us to deliver through them. But pretty much all around the country, we can do it. Obviously, pre-Brexit, Northern Ireland, we could do it too. But now that's become difficult. But, yeah, yeah. but in, in general, yeah, up and down the land everywhere. So you can get your curry fix. And it's, you know, it comes in, bang it straight in the freezer. Because one of the great things about fucking curry is, like, you can defrost it, like, yeah. bang it in a pan. And it's no difference. You just yeah. put f- fresh coriander over the top of it. And it's, it's the same as it was when it was cooked. It's, it's you know, curry is a good, mm. like, it's 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 one of those good cuisines where you yeah. can do that with, yeah. Yeah, my freezer's always got a couple in there. Yeah. I'll, I'll always cook double the amount and put some in the freezer for another day. Same, yeah, for me, because my mum cooks, when my mum cooks curries and stuff, like traditional Bengali cuisine, she'll put little containers together. And just, whenever I pop around, she'll give me some from her freezer. So she'll make, you know, whatever she's making throughout the weekend, she'll put a little container aside for me. Nice. <clears throat> so I have like a, I get my own curry box. Obviously, I don't pay my mum 70 quid for it. <laughs> it's, it. Actually, she cost me a lot more. But anyway, but yeah, you know, and, 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 and I just come, bang it in the freezer. And then whenever I fancy it, take it out, nuke it for about two minutes and bang it into a pan, simmer it. Brings it all back together. Happy days. No fucking difference. But yeah, so it's, it's, it's oh. good. So yeah, long may it continue. So you've got Ophim, you've got Paul Parrot. What's Is there anything else coming? Yeah, I mean, we'll see what the... I mean, I was supposed to open another restaurant in the city, but obviously the way things are at the moment, you know, when I say at the moment, just with labour. Like, mm. you can get the, pro- the properties there, you can build it, though it'll cost you three times as much pre- covid and pre-brexit to build it now but can you man it yeah no and can you get the suppliers and- supplies yeah that's there's that that's difficult as well but like i say you know the, at, the, at the moment that the real tough one is, is labor mm. yeah it's it's like we could ask you where did you see that going but how did you know you no one know, knows yeah, where it's going like. no 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 you don't watch around the corner anymore, no. do they? No, you don't. No, you don't. No. And you know, the, you know, obviously, this whole thing about obviously investing homegrown. Well, I think every business has always wanted to invest in homegrown. Yeah. But there's just certain careers or certain jobs that homegrown aren't interested in, whether it's yeah. a cultural thing, lifestyle thing, whatever. For whatever reason, they're just not interested in it. Mm-hmm. And it's not about the money because <clears throat> I think, yeah, shitty, some shitty restaurants will pay you bare minimum because because they're just shitty but you get shitty employers in any industry mm. but it's for you to seek out and eke out the good ones that you want to work for like you know I say we, we, we fucking are, these, these kids get paid like fucking rock stars money's not everything like you could pay me all the money in the world I'm not going to be a HGV driver it just doesn't look a job that's not appealing to me for yeah, any minute. Yeah, exactly. So it's, it's one of those things, you know, not, it's, and, and I think hospitality is one where I think as a nation we enjoy, we enjoy the, 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 the receiving hospitality. We certainly as a nation don't enjoy delivering hospitality. Yeah, I mean, I love doing it and I wouldn't swap it for the world my time in hospitality, but I'd, would I ever go back there? I don't think so. <laughs> that's, that's what I mean. So it's like, and which is, and you know what? There's nothing wrong with that. No. You know what works for you, what works for you, and what it does. Like, would I do ever do another job? No, I wouldn't, no. because this is what I love more. And you know, would Neil ever do anything else? No, because this is what he enjoys. Would Andy do anything else? No, this is what he enjoys. You know, and it's one of those things whether you like it or not. And it just happened to be for whatever reason. Um, I, can't, I can't go. I, I can't explain it to you. 
it just happened to be an industry that Europeans enjoyed more than we do. Mm. <laughs> it, yeah. it is it is what it is. There's a lot of culture in this country of going on the piss on a Friday and Saturday night as well, and that culture of just going out and getting smashed all weekend doesn't yeah. necessarily exist as much in Europe. Also, well, chefs, no. chefs were looked down upon. The, you know, everyone, there's that old joke about the chefs like are always ex-convicts and well, stuff like that. It's chefs, like you're you talking in front of house yeah. and serving and... Mm. In Europe, it's a career, though, isn't it? I think. Yeah, yeah exactly. Career, you're right. Yeah, yeah. You're right, and that's why. Yeah, you're right, and yeah, that's it's, it's a cultural understanding. You, when I worked in bars, a lot of the time you would ask, like, "Oh, what do you do at uni, or what you're training for?" Like, no, hang on, this is this, this is, is it. This is, this what is I my job. Do. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's I think the whole attitude needs to change, but it's not going to be an overnight thing, and it's definitely not going to happen fast. But. No, um, but the problem is, we actually need an overnight. And yeah. the fast solution. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I can't remember where I read it or watched it. It's something about, you know, there's a shortage of wood for the building the building materials. And I think the somewhat, the government minister or someone, their, their solution is we'll grow more trees. But like, no, fuck, man. Like, Jesus. fucking hell, man. You know, we need, you know, we, don't, we need it now, not 20 years time. Yeah. I mean, yeah, grow the fucking trees, but like what we're going to do now. So it's like, you know, invest in homegrown talent. Yeah, well, these kids need to go through that process. That's three, four, five years, but we need, the industry needs it now. Now, a lot of people turn around, you know, and I, you know, I don't give a fuck, fuck, you know, what people's opinions are, you know, at the end of the day, from my point of view, right now, I can't see one benefit of Brexit. Nah, don't get me started on that. No, no, so, <laughs> so, you know, for all those people who said, obviously, it's going to, all the Europeans were stopping locals getting jobs. Well, look, there's a million vacancies out there. I think 200,000 or so in hospitality. Come and fill them. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You exactly. Know? I agree. And, 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 you know, with ingredients costs mm. and ingredients availability, because we've got friends in Europe our friends in Europe aren't complaining. They're not saying, oh, shit, I can't get hold of veg oil. Oh, shit, I can't get hold of this. can't get hold of that. We can't. I was in Ireland. It's like, what, 40 minutes on a plane. <laughs> There's, there was like completely different world. Yeah. I came back here and went to Sainsbury's. I was like, oh, I thought them like empty showers. I thought they were just on Twitter. I didn't realize they were in Shirley. It's the thing. So it's like, you know, so for me, it's like, you know, I've, 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 I've dreaded this, you know, the the effects of it for years, and and mm. here we are today, and I'm sure there might be some winners out of it, but I've not come across any yet, and you know, as an industry that's such a massive contributor to the UK exchequer, mm. and you know the you know people turn out well, you know what fuck restaurants and fuck restaurateurs and blah 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 and fuck people in hospitality. Well, these people in hospitality are the ones. And these hospitality businesses are the ones where basically our economy is to a degree pinned on those because they need we need hospitality to start again to start basically because it's one of the largest contributors of PAYE, VAT and just just income based tax in our economy. It's just on the right. So it pays it pays for everything else. So mm-hmm. you know whoever, you know, all these people who who, who, who right now think, oh, well, 
hospitality, but it's just your problem. It's just one industry. It's going to become a not just a an us problem. It's going to become a mm-hmm. we problem. Oh, they'd soon fucking miss it if it went. Yeah, yeah they'll yeah. miss it, but the, the exchequer will miss the the the, the coppers. You know, the, the the money going into the coffers as well. Yeah, I mean, and on then a romantic gonna, point of view, people will miss it, but on a practical point, yeah, of view, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then remember, that's the money that goes into the NHS. That's the mm-hmm. money that goes into schools. That's the money that goes into pay for highways. That's the money, you know, it's a big hole to fill. Yeah. So what industry is going to fill that yeah. bud? Because we know it's not going to be fishing. <laughs> do, you know, do you know what I mean? So it's like, for fuck's sake, man! And so yeah, so we've you know as a nation, we've we've we basically we're yeah we fucking we shot ourselves in the foot with this one, I think, because yeah, definitely agree. Actor, I feel like we've we could definitely probably just sit here all night and <laughs> break bread, like, but I feel like we took a lot of your time. No, it's, it's been Carlos nice is. Are you doing your questions? Do you want your questions? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Carl's, you're going to get my questions, man. The quick fire. All right, nothing too serious. It. They're about you, so you're going to get them right. What's your favourite film? I am legend, because it's all about, like, fucking... <laughs> it's, it's become over the last couple of years, so I remember watching it in um, Lockdown 1, right? And obviously, he's, like, some cool dude with a, like, really cool Alsatian, and I've got fucking a crazy cocker spaniel walking down <laughs> fucking empty broad street so yeah <laughs> that's a good one have you read the book the book's great yeah the book's great the book's and um, really the, obviously the original I mean it's it's a flip it's very different it's to completely the book. different yeah, yeah I mean, that's my favourite book but yeah I mean I, 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 obviously I love the film so yeah I mean obviously the film is based on the book on the idea of the book yeah. but yeah I mean obviously it's completely different because obviously in the uh in the book, he's the boogeyman, really. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's a different kettle of fish altogether. What's your favourite band or DJ or rapper or whatever? It's an American artist. Uh, I, I sort of enjoying his music a lot at the moment, and it, it happened because it started off. I was in uh, driving from um, from Montreal to uh, fucking where's that big uh, waterfall? Niagara Falls. Niagara Falls. Yeah, There's yeah. a guy called um, Khaled. Is, or Khalid is, his music was really good and uh, you know in Montreal smoking weed's legal <laughs> so I'd, I'd had a couple of puffs <laughs> it's really cool because you go in, you go into the space like, it looks like they look like apple shops but they're owned by the government or controlled by the government and you, you go and meet a local like their version of a genius and you know how here they'd find you the right Apple product, down there they'd find you the right high. Yeah, the right banger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so it's like, uh, you know, uh, so I was there and I, I came across this artist and I listened to his music and I was like, fuck me, yeah. So, yeah, definitely. But that aside, I think my, you know, my inner song is Teenage Dirtbag. <laughs> fucking is. love that. Yeah, I was talking to Neil about it on Saturday. I was like, yeah, fucking, that, that's just me, man. <laughs> Uh, what's your favourite spirit? And I mean specifically. Whiskey. So, uh, Tamdu. Rice. Nice, nice. one. Uh, what's your favourite beer? I used to drink, um, actually I used to drink one called Honeydew at um, the old joint stop. Yeah. I, some of my old friends, um, they're old like ex-bankers and old city boys retired. So, they used to drink there because I don't know if you remember like 15, 20 years ago, the old joint stock was just full of old boys, um, yeah, but yeah. you know, like city boys. 
and the legal profession and people like that. So we used to go there and I used to meet up with them. Obviously, it was like third of their age, but fuck it. And yeah, they said, the Honeydew, that was nice. Otherwise, um, I like, I know it's a bit like fucking, not wanky, but like pedestrian, like Modelo. I like yeah, that's you know, a nice one. Yeah. It's nice, yeah, yeah like you know, it's a sunny afternoon. Fine. We've had people say Carlin, that's fine. You can yeah. say Modelo. <laughs> uh, what's your favourite big fast food chain? McDonald's, man. You like Consistent, like anywhere in the world you go. No, there. everyone that's ever said McDonald's is always the next thing they've said. It's the consistency. Yeah, anywhere in the world you go. What you order? Um, at the moment, it's Big Tasty. Yeah. Otherwise, uh, Big Mac. Yeah, I'm a Big Mac. And then you have a fillet as a, you know, your fish course. Yeah. (laughs) You gotta gotta have a a fish course. If you're popping out in the city for a quick bite, where else are you going? We, we have, uh, I go to that, um, in a Tiger Bites Pig. Yeah. I love their bows, man. Yeah. I I was going to open, I want to, I've always wanted to open a bow bar, even before they came around. (laughs) And, um, and then, um. And they came around and they just did such a good job of it. I thought, fuck it, that's fine. Yeah, a, lot, doing it. a lot of the time it is like, I open restaurants and stuff I want to eat. Mm. But yeah, the, the, the bows there are good. So they do a, uh, the, you know, the white chicken one. Have you had the chicken oh, one? Yeah, with this I haven't been. You've been yeah. a couple of times. Yeah. The chicken one's uh, it's probably my favorite. And the other one I like is, you know, the one with the tofu and the aubergine. Yeah. It's like yeah. gooey and... Uh, yeah. yeah, anyway, sorry. No, it's just, you love... Uh, it's too close to Bonehead for me to go anywhere else. <laughs> the guy who owns Bonehead is an old friend of mine. But, and his burgers are good. And his Bonehead burgers are good. Yeah. But I think I'd go bow more often. Yeah. What's your favourite food destination in the world other than Birmingham, obviously? <laughs> food destination as a whole? Yeah, where you'd go, right, that's the place I'm going. You're going for a couple of nice meals be anywhere in the world you're going right I'm going there you know where we're really at really well and like I said I know it's going to sound really well in Stockholm yeah because we had a Nicholas Exted one night that was fucking incredible and that a lot of people are divided by that some people like some people don't I really enjoyed it and then obviously the magical experience that Franzen was fucking blow your mind but then like don't want to go out there like fucking London like, I'm always like popping into Soho so much you can do there. That's oh, so it's ridiculous. And the list of places on a way in London, it only ever gets longer. Yeah, it's but like, good. even just milling around Soho, there's so many like, different places in popping for a few bites and then there. So we did that a few weeks back where I went to buy some cockery, then we went into Bocca de Lupo to have some, like, had some like, Italian, and then we wanted to kill, get a bit of like Thai, Laos food from there. But the only problem is at the moment, obviously, because of this pandemic, everyone's got like really reduced menus, which is making me like, so a lot of stuff mm. that you love just aren't available. But yeah, so like, yeah, I mean, Stockholm or London. That's me done. That's you. I'm done. Actor, I really appreciate your time and doing you, this, mate. mate. It's, it's been class, hasn't it? Yeah. Yeah, I love this. It's been, it's been nice catching up with you guys. Thanks very much. You're welcome. Thank you.